0: Today on this edition of the Poor City Church podcast, Lauren Scott has part four of the series titled "One Shot." Today's message is pursuing presence. I'm going to have you guys do it again. Can you stand up for just two seconds? Please don't be alarmed by my bare feet. They were hindering my praise last service, and I said this far and no further. I just want to take a quick look at you, at this room because it's really easy to take a moment like this for granted. And it's really easy to forget. We could be anywhere at any, at this moment, we could all be anywhere and we're all here in this room together. And what I just saw happen, and I'm not talking about the number of hands lifted or the number of people here or the number of bodies standing. I am watching Jesus have everything he paid for in this place. That's what happens when human beings actually decide. Despite where we've all been, despite our differences, that this is where we want to be. It's a really beautiful thing. Like, that's what he paid for. His final prayer was, may they be one. No matter who they voted for, no matter what they look like, no matter where they come from, no matter what they've been through, may they be one. And we are becoming one. And that doesn't happen because we joined a church. It doesn't happen by accident. That happens because the presence of God is the only thing that can do this. And that's what we need. We need his presence. We don't need a good plan. We don't need more crash meetings. We don't need more negotiating. We don't need more of any of that. We need his power and his presence and his glory. You can take a seat before I get fired up and you're standing here and it's been an hour. It won't be an hour. I'm really grateful that you're here. I'm really grateful to get to be here with you. I can promise you up front, I told the team earlier, my words will fail me today, but his presence never does. So I'm asking him for his presence to be here in just a special way, for your sake and for my sake, because we need it. I want to show you something. This is a roll of tape. If you're in the back you can't see it, And I show you this because the friends, our friends, our family now on our worship team reminds me often of what this used to mean in this house. That if you've ever been on this stage, maybe you can't see it from where you're sitting, but they're actually, with this tape, there were marked out squares all across the stage. And if you were worshiping, if you were on stage, if you were showing up to offer up your praise to the living God in this place, what happened was the minute you got on this stage, What was the most important, I won't say the most, what was very important was that you stayed in this box. These boxes were marked out logistically, I get it. There are camera angles that needed to hit just right. There were lighting cues that needed to be at the right spot. But the moment you stepped out of that box, there was going to be a discussion about it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There was tape. On the stage that determined where your praise was gonna go, it was blocked out, it was marked, and if you stepped outside of it because you felt led or you were moving or you were shifting, you were gonna be asked, I hope kindly, I wasn't here back then, to step right on back into that box. And the Lord spoke to me, He's been speaking to me in my bathroom a lot lately, and He said, Lauren, he reminded me of the tape and he said, something that began as a logistical thing actually has spiritual implications. And I'm gonna be really honest with you because we're family and we have, we have been on such a beautiful journey as a church over the past year and we can get into that a little bit later. But my heart is that we would go deeper. See, when I look around, I'm not content to be one of the first black women on this stage. That's actually not success to me. Success is that the presence and the glory of God can rest here in whatever way he wants and that none of us get in the way of it. I'm not content with donut charcuterie that you're going to find every week in the mall. I'm not content because we're a couple hairs more diverse than we were a couple years ago. I'm not content because maybe there's a little more jumping and moving and shouting and running on the stage than there has been. Those are beautiful things that Jesus will be glorified in, my friends, but it can't stop there. See, there's something that we all have to be on the same page about. It's that our hearts desire more than anything and everything is that Jesus would be known and glorified and seen in this place. And I'm just going to go there. We've all have spiritual trauma is what I'm going to call it, right? We all grew up in different church backgrounds. We've all seen different things. We've all felt different things or felt a lack thereof of things. And there are spaces that we've been in where things that God intended for his good and for his glory and for our good have been manipulated or twisted or you weren't shepherded in and you saw them and you said, I'm not doing that anymore. I used to go to a Pentecostal church, and they got crazy up in there, and there was no real leadership. I used to go to a charismatic place, and people were on the floor, and they got up, and they still gossiped, and I never understood it. I used to go to a traditional space where the acolytes put on the robe and had the candles and stood in the line, and they bore no fruit of the Spirit. We have, we, have you been there? I have been there. But here's the thing, behind all of it, in truth and in beauty and in goodness, is a real God with a burning heart for you and me who wants to give us so much more than we have ever been aware. And so it's really easy based on our experiences and our preferences and our comfort zones to put this tape back on the ground. Hey God, here's what you can have in my life. You can have this much of my praise. You can have this much of my relationships. You can have this much of my, of my drinking habits. You can have this much of, of, of whatever it is. All of us have, for whatever reason, a place where we put the tape down. Are you, are, you, are, you, are you catching my drift here? And what I think Jesus wants to do is he wants to rip it up. When I was 16, I want to say this is why I love youth. I love particularly high schoolers. Some of you guys heard me talk about my obsession with high school. Um, It really is because I actually went to the best high school in the world. We can argue about it later. But again, they didn't film Remember the Titans at your high school, only mine. So I think I still win that argument. Nonetheless, I loved high school because um, high school changed my life. I grew up in the church. I had two amazing parents, a twin sister, and we were loved and we were told we were beautiful and we were worth it and we could do anything that we ever wanted to do. But for some reason, Lauren Ashley Scott had a hole in her heart that couldn't be filled. I had a desire to feel significant. I remember it like it was yesterday, roaming through the halls of my high school, wondering why boys that I liked didn't like me back, wondering why the popular girls didn't think I was cool enough yet told me all their secrets about all their friends that were at all the parties that they didn't invite me to. Wondering why the rejection seemed unending, wondering why I walked in rooms and it felt like I wasn't seen and I didn't matter. And the thing is about longings in our hearts is that they're actually not carnal and bad. They were created by God for Him to fill. I just didn't know that. And so I roamed through the rules halls in my high school, and I thought, okay, if I make it to the top twelve of the cross country team, then they'll notice me. If I have the coolest Sweet 16 party in all the land, everybody will pay attention. My goal became, if I want to feel significant and approved of and seen, the plan is I have to maneuver my way to the front of every room that I'm in and they'll have to see me. They'll have to tell me what I'm longing for somebody to tell me, what I'm longing to hear. And friends, in the midst of my climbing and crawling and running, and to all the wrong things, to all the broken cisterns, something happened. I met Jesus and I remember it clear as day. There was a girl named Tori who came to my high school with a ministry called young life. And there was no agenda. There was no program. She just loved him and wanted us to know him. So she would come to my cross country practice. She was at football games. She was at tennis matches. She was everywhere all the time, and we became friends. And when I would go to her dorm, and when I would go out to eat with her, and when we get ice cream, there was something in our conversations. She had a fire burning in her eyes, and I'd never seen it. She had something. When she spoke, there was life on it. It was different. She was happy. She was joyful. She didn't party. She didn't have a boyfriend. She didn't do any of those things. And I didn't either in high school, but I thought college is when you had to because that was when you, I don't know, found whatever you were looking for. And she did none of it. And she was full and she was overflowing and she was happy. And I thought, I have to get to the bottom of what she has and where it's coming from. So she invited me to a summer camp in Weaverville, North Carolina. Anybody been to Weaverville, North Carolina? Okay, last service was two, nobody this time it's zero. That's what I thought. And I went to the summer camp and the speaker, his name was Steve Gardner. He talked all week about his radical pursuit of a girl that he had a crush on. And every day he would leave balloons in her mailbox with a note, and at the end of the week he said, I'm going to come by your mailbox, and if there's a bouquet of green balloons, then I know you like me, and if they're red, then I'm just going to have my dad drive me away and cry. And sure enough, at the end of the week, she had a bouquet of green balloons at her mailbox, and he knew that that it wasn't unrequited love, that it was gonna be reciprocated. And as he told that story, he talked about the God of the universe coming down to earth and putting on flesh and skin and coming just to be with me and you to close the gap, to close the divide, to close the chasm and to tell us that he loved us. And I'd never heard that story. And I sat on those carpeted steps and I saw in the spirit Jesus high and lifted up on that cross, suffering in the agony and the scrutiny. And he looked me in the eyes and said, Lord, I did it for you. I did it for you. You were on my mind. You were the reason I suffered. And it changed my life. And that night I went to my cabin and I wept for what felt like hours. Hours. And I just kept saying in that circle with my friends, I don't understand how this God who knows everything about me chose me in that place. And the next morning I woke up, I think it's 6 a.m., and there was a gazebo on that camp property, and I walked up the hill. And I, I was a teenager, and I had wondered my whole life what it felt like to be in love, and that was where I learned because I walked up to that gazebo and the sun was coming down and the birds sang and Jesus was right there. I felt his breath on my cheek. I heard him say my name. He was right there. I wish I could have seen his face. And the next day, my mom picked me up in her minivan because I had to go home and take the freaking SAT. I'm still upset about it all these years later. And when I got in the minivan... I was so angry I was shaking I said mom I grew up in church and nobody behind the pulpit made that real for me 16 years I was confirmed I had worn the robe I had lit the candles I had done the rhythms in the routine and Jesus was not a real man burning with affection for me that's not what he was He was a means to a religious end. He was a figurehead of a denomination. He wasn't personal and I was so mad. I said, mom, why did nobody tell me? And it wasn't until a few weeks ago, the Lord said, Lauren, someone told you, but I don't think anybody ever showed you. Which at the end of the day means that something was more important in that place than his presence. That's what that means. And friends, this series you know is called One Shot. And if I was gone tomorrow, if I was to leave you with one thing, I don't want you to go 16 minutes, let alone 16 years, let alone your whole life without knowing that what you were knit together in your mother's womb for, what you have breath in your lungs for, what you exist for is to know Jesus. It's not to go do great stuff for Jesus. It's not to go win more souls for Jesus. It's not to just go do things. Those are all byproducts of knowing him. But the reason why you exist is because he wanted you here. We're talking about an all-sufficient being, having everything fulfilled in and of himself, who's looking around at everything he created and said, I don't know, I see dust. I don't know, I'm not lonely, I'm not sad, I'm not upset. But what would it be like if Adam, Adam was here with me? What if I got to share in my glory? What if I got to share laughter and joy and tears and food and moments and memories and history with human beings? That's why we're here. And you know the story. You know what happened between that and the fall, and now is that we, not understanding that everything we ever wanted or needed was found in Him, have gone to everything else. It's been the story since. Can any of you relate to that? We have these God given longings to feel significant, to feel seen, to experience real intimacy for communion, for companionship, for pleasure, for joy, all things from him to be fulfilled by him and through him. And we go to everything else because we just don't know how worth it and wonderful he is. That's why church isn't enough routines, small groups, the stuff, they're beautiful means to him. But the pursuit of our life has to be knowing him, not just checking the boxes, not being politically right, not being a great Christian. It has to be. I was literally made to look into his eyes and hear his voice. And that's what I'm pursuing. And some of you are like, Warren, you're talking to a church. We get it. We know it. And friends, sometimes I think we're more disconnected from it than the world. And I can tell you why. Because we fill our schedules and our calendars with budget meetings and planning meetings and programming meetings and this meeting and that meeting. And they're absolutely necessary. We're afraid to miss them. But prayer is optional. And this is not an indictment, it's an invitation. If we don't feel like prayer is the air we breathe, we don't understand that we're having a living, actual conversation with God. We don't show up to prayer just to say, here's everything I need. Oh, and I guess I'm supposed to thank you. Oh, and I guess I'm supposed to, no, 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 no. no. This is the God of the universe who is outside of all space and time who wants to be with you. And the only reason we don't do it is because we're disconnected from that reality. You know the difference between the friend who wants to be married and the friend who wants a wedding. The friend who wants a wedding gets on Pinterest and has the dress picked and the venue and all the pictures put together. The friend who wants to be married locks eyes with a human in the room and says, I will take them to coffee. I will be at 39th Street where they work. I will be wherever they are because I have to know them. I got to know what their favorite color is. I got to know what their family life was like. I got to know what their favorite place to shop is because it's about them. I know that this is for Christians because if we're honest with ourselves, we can show up here and we're content to hold our coffee and get through the hour and keep it on moving. I don't know how real I can be in this room right now. Almost every week, and I family, I, I know that it's in love. I truly know that it's in love. But somebody says to me, "Oh, girl, you're just up there doing Zumba. You're just having a great time. You're just kicking away. You're just oh, you." The invitation is. What is bringing that response out of a human? Who is bringing that response out of a human? because worship is not a spectator sport. There's a Jesus that caused David to dance out of his clothes. There's a Jesus that Zacchaeus literally ran and climbed a tree in a crowd of God knows how many because he was too tall to see over their heads and he had to see his face. There's a Jesus who Mary in front of a room full of people took her hair, got on the ground and wiped his hair with her perfume. Wiped his feet with her hair her perfume. And what we were made for is to know him. Not just to know the stories. I am not settling for this room only being what it's been. And, and hear me, Friends. The invitation first is, is for us in our personal life. It's a moment to look deeper and say, is Jesus in his presence and pursuing him what matters the most to me? Because all of us individually, that changes what happens collectively and corporately as this church So please hear me kindly that what I'm not saying is that the assembly, this gathering, is the most important thing. What I'm saying is our individual pursuit of him affects how far we can all go together. So we can't be content with just Eric or just Angie or just Carrington or just the next person going for it. We all have to have a desire to fulfill what we were made for and what he paid for, which is that we know him. Oh, it's 11.45 and I haven't even gotten to the scripture. Bless the Lord. It's okay. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Because somebody's saying, show it to me in the Bible, sis, and I will. John 4. We all know the story, most of us, of Jesus and the Samaritan woman, right? Here's what happened. She's the definition of a woman who had a need that hadn't been met, who had a gaping hole in her soul and an encounter with Jesus changed everything. And I am going to, we're going to quickly, I'm going to, we're going to open it up. It, John 4, verse 10. It's after they've had the whole conversation about the beauty of Jesus coming to Samaria and going around intentionally to meet her and the racial and social barriers that he crossed and all the beautiful things. Definitely study it at home. Here's what I want to talk about in verse 10. A little before that. The woman approaches Jesus as she comes to draw water at this well. So she's carrying her buckets over her shoulder. She comes to the well and she's drawing water. That's a metaphor for this. All of us have a need, something that we're going to, other than Jesus to fill. What is that for you? What is the place where you're carrying your your jugs and you're going to get filled? Just think about it for a second. I promise I'll come back to it. She comes to draw water, and she asks Jesus to give her a drink of water, and he responds, and he says, if you are, sorry, Jesus asked her for a drink of water. He says, give me a drink, because his disciples had gone into town, so he asked her to help him. And she's confused because she says, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. We're not even supposed to be speaking to each other because our, our, our people hate each other. And Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who is asking you to give him a drink, you would ask him and he would actually give you living water. So again, Jesus is asking her to do him a favor just to start the conversation. She questions it and his response is, oh, if you only knew. friends what that looks like for us is in our everyday life whatever that cistern is whatever that well is maybe it's a relationship that's actually not for your benefit that's actually not the best and yet your desire for intimacy and pleasure and true companionship is so deep that all you know is to go to that well and draw water Maybe the, the desire, the thing that you're, that you're hoping to be filled is a need for approval or significance like me. And maybe you're really thinking, if I climb the corporate ladder, if I get the job, if I do the thing, then that's going to that's gonna fill my bucket. Maybe you're looking to feel entertained and maybe beyond that one or two movies on Netflix, you could veg out for, I don't know, days and just zone Maybe the anxiety and the depression causes you to grab that glass bottle in your liquor cabinet more than you need to. Maybe it's just prayerlessness. Maybe you're like, I'm not doing anything bad per se, but I'm not giving myself to pursuing Jesus and letting him fill the void within me. And the beautiful... Response that the woman has to Jesus. She later says, Sir, give me this water that I won't get thirsty and come back here to draw water. She has an encounter with Jesus where she realizes everything I've been looking for is found in you. Everything and I would have exhausted myself. I would have continued down the path of doing the right thing or just doing whatever I needed to do to get by when everything I'd ever desired is right here in your presence. That's why we have to be all about his presence. Friends, we can do so many beautiful things. We can feed the the poor, We we can clothe the needy, we can show up for the sick. We can do everything that Jesus asked us to do, but guess what, that's the second commandment. That's the second commandment. You could live your whole life. Oh, I'm at the soup kitchen every week. Oh, I tell the, the, the woman at Schnucks that God loves her. Oh, I show up for my wife and my kids. Beautiful things. But do you know what the first commandment is? When Jesus was asked, what matters the most? That was the literal question he was asked in Matthew. And he said, the first thing is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. I heard Timothy Keller's wife in a book. She said, imagine if you had a terminal illness and every night you had to take a pill or you would die. She said, would you ever skip a night? She said, that's what prayer has to be to us. And that's not extreme. That's actually basic Christianity. It's Jesus, I am making myself available to you and your presence and hearing your voice everywhere. I'm not limiting it to the hour or two that I plan every day. When I sit in my cubicle at work, I'm asking Holy Spirit for you to show up. When I'm in my car, I look in the passenger seat and you're right there with me. When I'm at dinner with a friend, you're there. It's everywhere all the time just opening up, just reaching for him and being connected. And it matters, friends, because this is what he made you for. And there's this idea in Christianity that it's like, oh, some people are just like, you know, they just, they tread the deep waters and they, they, they're they, just, they're so feely and they're so emotional and they're so whatever. It's for all of us. It doesn't have to look the same. doesn't have to look the same I have a dear friend in this church who I won't call out I don't know if I'm ever going to catch him running or sprinting around but I have never met somebody so in love with Jesus before and I have others who you might see, I don't know, rolling around or kicking or whatever. It's not limited to expression. It's wherever I am, whatever it looks like, however it is for me, the priority of my life is to know him. Whatever it looks like for me. So if you work a day job for an insurance company, I promise you, challenge the Lord. Go to work on Monday and say, hey, where are you? If you work at the pool over the summer, when you're on that lifeguard tower, look in the pool and say, God, what do you want to say to me? When you wake up in the morning, don't think of prayer or talking to him as a duty. Say, God, show me that it's a delight to talk to you. Show me that it's a delight to hear your voice all of you. I don't care what you've been told or what dumb spiritual rhythms or rigmarole you were told or hoops you had to jump through or what tape was drawn for you. He's everywhere at all times in all spaces wanting to be close to you for every single person in this room. That's what you were made for. So the hole that you feel inside He's so kind. He looked at the woman and he said, oh, if you only knew. He's not shaming you because you've gone to pornography to fill it. He's not shaming you because you've gone to alcohol to fill it. He's not shaming you because you haven't prayed because you just don't know how to fill it. He's not shaming you because you've been in a toxic relationship trying to fill it. He's not shaming you. He just wants you to know, beloved, if you only knew, it's in me. And it's his delight to reveal himself. Romans five says that the Holy Spirit is actually poured into our hearts to, t- to show us what the love of God is like. Like he loves to do this. Would you guys stand? My prayer, my hope and my prayer is that hunger and curiosity would spark in this room. That it wouldn't be about knowing how to do it or getting on some crazy Bible plan that's overwhelming and scary to you. Just open your hands and open your heart to him. Don't make it religion. Don't make a routine out of it. Look for him everywhere because he's everywhere wanting to reveal his love to you. He just wants to tell you that he sees you, that he's proud of you, that he covers you in his love. Like that's what he wants to do. You're not bothering him. Would you bow your heads with me? Oh, Jesus, we confess in this room that our thoughts of you have been too small and too few. Yes, Lord, that our thoughts of you have been too small and too few. You are everywhere at every turn looking for us, desiring our attention, hoping that we would look back because all you ever wanted was relationship. All you ever wanted was fellowship. All you ever wanted was communion. And so God, today we pull up the tape in our lives. The box that we put you in, the thing that we protected, not knowing that all along it's always been you. It's always been you, Jesus. While you were sinners, yet Christ died and gave his life as a ransom for you. This is not about behavior modification. You are loved and seen and known by the God of the universe and his name is Jesus right here and now. Father, would you flood this room even in these last few minutes with your presence? Would you pierce hearts in a way that only you can? Many in this room will forget every word I've said, but they will be marked by a memory and a moment with you. Your love is more. It goes deeper. It is the most satisfying. David even said that he found pleasure evermore at your right hand. Would it be found in this room? Would we not settle for normal, everyday Christianity? Would we desire the deeper things of God? Would the main cry of our hearts be to know you, to see you, to experience you personally for ourselves? Let this room be a house of encounter. Let this room be a place where Jesus is known and seen and felt, but not limited to this room. Let us not write off 1280 South Alpine Road as a place where miracles don't happen, as a place where healing doesn't occur, as a place where people don't get delivered. God, we say that this will be a house where your glory can rest. This will be a place where your presence is pursued. This will be a place where the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do it. And we rip off the tape from around this building in the name of Jesus and say that you get the final say about who we are. You get the final say about what happens in this building. You get the final say. You get to do whatever you wanna do in this place. We rip up the tape today, Jesus, every corner of it and say, have your way in this church. Because the only thing that can heal our hearts, that can heal the gaping hole in our chest, that can fill the desires, the the longings that we have is your presence. And we're not gonna tell you that only other churches or other people can experience your presence. We're gonna say here and now that we are hungry for your presence. We're not waiting anymore. We are opening ourselves up to you. We're not limiting you to this building, but we're asking that when your people gather that things shift, that things change, that things happen because we asked you as two or more. especially if you've been here for years. I'm asking right now that you tell God that this is a safe place for his glory. Carrington's been saying it all week because he's felt it from the Lord. The Lord said, I'm about to pass you by. Are you looking for me? I'm headed your way. Are you looking for me? Jesus, find in this room of people who are looking for you, who aren't looking to stay comfortable, who aren't looking to keep doing church, who aren't looking to just be content with what they've seen and know of you find in this room of people who are desperate to see you and know you until we see you face to face Jesus have your way in this room have your way in this room this is a safe place for your glory we pull up the tape, we don't tell you what you can and can't do. This is a safe place. Would you guys just just pray in your own way to the Lord right now? Lord, we want you more than our comfort. We want you. You've been listening to Lauren Scott with part four of the one shot series with a message pursuing presence.